Welcome to Stories, a thread within the Protein podcast that features the stories behind the people at the intersection of community, culture, and technology. Sari is a natural-born operator. With her infectious energy and cultural curiosity, she came out of VC land to launch Startupy, an AI-powered search engine for founders. This led on to Sublime, a new platform for curating and sharing your best internet discoveries. We cover a wide range of topics, from being an outsider in a foreign country, to building lovable, rather than viable, products, and doing all of this whilst being a mom of three kids. Enjoy. Okay, welcome everyone. Um, super excited to have Sari uh, on the podcast today. Been tracking her movements, I'm going to go three years back, I think, startup world when we got into Web3 things. And... Um, and then more recently with Sublime, which I think uh, I, I personally really want to find out a little bit more about. So, Sari, great to have you on the show. Uh, would love to just to start with a brief introduction, where you are. Um, I love a geographical reference, especially as we're on the uh, on, on the video calls at the moment. Um, and then what you've been up to recently. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Will, for having me on the podcast. Um, where I am, I am in sunny Miami, Florida. So, and it's February. So it's a, this is the time of year we get to brag, um, that I live here. Um, and I guess specifically I'm in my office, but I live on the water. So I get to paddleboard on the weekends. Um, that's kind of nice. Um, um, about me, you know, it's, uh, I, I wish I had like a really good about, um, but I recently, <laughs> read um Stuart Brand's about page and I think he had a line in there that said I find things and I found things and I was like that's it that's me uh, you know I I like find things I love hanging out at the edges of the internet finding things I'm a concept librarian uh you know concept composer I just love the world of ideas and kind of you know finding them and connecting the dots and um that's just kind of what, who I've always been. Um, and then I found things. I have a bias for action. I like, you know, I like taking theories and things in my head and kind of, you know, um, getting into the muddy uh, business of translating them into pixels. Um, and at the moment, um, 110% of my time, I would say, is is going into Sublime. And yeah, and it just feels like this, this is like my decade plus, multi-decade project. Um, but that's it. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm as part of ob- an observation is uh, you also like uh, collecting quotes. Uh, it certainly appears from your tweets and your your newsletter. Um, and um, if I may, just to replay a couple of your uh, a, a, a couple of your comments in some of your feeds around. Um, strategy requires making choices about a future that is not yet known which resonates um both in terms of you know the role of strategy today and i think generally but equally in terms of uh you know creating that next world um in terms of world building better futures and and, you know where, where we're going next um and we'd love to sort of yeah just unpack that a bit just both in terms of that approach uh, and, um, yeah, where you hope that leads. You know, I, I love that you bring up the, the strategy line, uh, because I think 
you know, as a founder, I, I, I've been in kind of tech and venture for a long time as a consultant, uh, you know, running strategy at a startup studio. And it's so easy to give other people advice and be like, here's a good strategy. But I think when it comes to something you truly, truly care about, you're kind of faced with, you know, like the understanding that there is no one thing. Like the world is complicated. Reality has a surprising amount of detail. And actually like, you know, another thing I believe that is very related is the opposite of a good idea can also be a good idea. So, you know, one great strategy could be like, you know, everyone's doing AI stuff. So let's like jump in and have a really good AI thing. Or it could be like, everyone's doing AI stuff. Let's not do any AI stuff, you know? And so I just feel like that's like strategy in a human world with messy, complicated people is, is just like messy and uncertain. And like the, you know, you just like, you don't solve these things by kind of thinking or inside a figma or in your head, you kind of, you know, requires action. Um, and I think that for people like me that are just like very comfortable in the world of ideas, it's sometimes like easy to just like get lost and, you know, just like get tangled in these like twisted intellectual knots when you just have to be like constantly like banging your head against reality. And that's how you kind of like iterate on the strategy. Yeah, no, I love that. And again, resonates deeply from lived experience of being on this planet for a, quite a while. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing what is right for, you know, for you, for for me, for others, but actually would is entirely wrong for, for a, 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 a different subset or a different subculture. Um, and is that, I'm just curious to sort of plot that path um, which I'd love to, maybe, maybe we'll go sort of from today backwards versus the other way around <clears throat> from sub, sublime now. And we'd love to just, uh, hear a bit about your, uh, sort of the inception of it. Um, but equally as I think you've written about categorizing things into a polarizing good or bad, sorry, it's less about categorizing things into good and bad, but looking at those sort of gray areas in between those little intersections um another favorite word of mine is intersections um but yeah really just understanding where that sort of the idea for sublime came and then i think maybe digging a little bit deeper in terms of some of those roots yeah yeah i mean i've been on this journey for for a long time and i think there's a kevin kelly line which is like if you want to do something good like do it and then do it again and then do it again and then again and and so sublime sort of feels like you know, after like five sort of tries, like, you know, finally, like this, this is it, this is kind of working. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of different kind of strands and, and values and things that we can get into that define sublime. But I think at like, at a very kind of like basic level, um, you know, we're building the tool we wish we had to save anything interesting we come across and don't want to forget, right? So, uh, you know, I've always believed that, you know, like, you like creativity doesn't start with a blank page it starts with inspiration and you need to be you know if we're consuming content six hours a day and then you know but we don't have like a little kind of bucket or a little kind of space where we're kind of filtering that stuff to be a you know to be a good assistant to our future selves that may need those ideas or those insights then we're kind of doing ourselves a, a disservice so you know people have all sorts of systems but we felt like in our in our bones that uh, that the the tool and the way that we wanted it to exist in the world uh, didn't exist. Um, 
And so, yeah, I guess a couple things. Um, you know, I think simplicity and and good design is really important to us. Uh, we believe that good design is as little design as possible. And if we think about other tools in the space, they're just like they have like painfully bad learning curves. So we wanted to avoid that. Uh, but I think the most important part of Sublime is we sort of like have this world today where you know, we're sometimes alone in our computer, whether it's in our Apple notes or our meditation app or whatever. And then we're in these social environments, which are, you know, we're kind of like, we take for granted that this is how they should be and how they should behave. Uh, but I think that everything goes back to motivation and incentives. And when I'm on Twitter, I'm in like build an audience mode. I'm in kind of like, you know, the game here is like earn more followers. That's how we've been conditioned. And so I think that I mentioned this because I think that with Sublime, the product is very much one that is a personal tool. You're kind of collecting ideas, connecting the dots between them. You know, it's designed to get you into flow state, uh, uh, to be this kind of like assistant for your kind of future self. There's all sorts of things we've done, but it's also the beauty of it is you're not alone, right? Like we always describe it as, it's a little bit like a coffee shop in a library had a baby where when you're in a coffee shop. You have like, you're doing your thing. You've got an intention. You've got a purpose. You're there for a reason. Uh, but you get the serendipity of the people around you. Um, and so that's kind of the spirit of sublime and, and maybe like more concretely the way that manifests in the product is when you put in a thought or idea, maybe you found like a really cool insight or a really cool link, or you've got this like image or whatever, the moment you add it to your sublime library, you'll immediately discover other people's stuff that is like related or has a similar vibe to that. So it's just, I guess, like practically very useful to be able to kind of be ideating on something and to get like that just in time inspiration, but you're not just getting that from yourself alone, but from other people. So yeah, I think fundamentally what we're trying to do is combine the sort of focus and utility of a personal knowledge management tool with the sense of aliveness and serendipity of a social space. Yeah, I love that. An assistant for your future self. That's, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so if I may, um, could you classify it as sort of an Evernote meets arena? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so I, I'm, and I apologize for the uh, <laughs> cr crashing two established platforms together, but just in terms of no, context for, 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 yeah. for those who haven't seen no, it. A hundred percent. I think I think it's like really important to put that into context. You know, it's interesting because we like if you're building like a you know a a word editor, but like better, you could always say like you know. I'm building a, like a Google Doc, but better. And Sublime has already, always been like a little bit hard to define because it's kind of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's a little bit like Evernote in some ways. It's a little bit like Pinterest for knowledge in some ways. Um, I think Arena is a company I, I tremendously respect. Uh, and I think that I'm very inspired by their spirit and you know, it, the way, I mean, they've been around for, for a long time and they, to me, embody this, you know, this like growth at the speed of trust, which we, we really sort of, you know, believe in. Um, but, you know, none of these tools work exactly the way we wanted to. And it's really comes down to the, to the details. Um, I think, you know, Sublime is uniquely suited for text. Um, and, 
you know, like we're doing a lot of stuff around like taking a podcast and a video and being able to kind of generate a transcript from that and then like highlight some of that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I sort of felt like for my needs, a Pinterest or whatever, like cool idea, but like, I'm not storing like wedding inspo, uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, working with more, more ideas. So I think that's, um, you know, one of the, the, the bigger kind of, uh, differences. Um, but I think honestly, like most of the differences, uh, are philosophical, right? Like, I think that there's a couple things that I really believe that are just like a part of the company's DNA. Uh, like one of them, for example, is I just think that humans are like, feel better about themselves when they're creating stuff. And so when I think of Sublime and sort of the, the knowledge kind of like, you know, uh, the knowledge loop, you first have to collect a lot of inspiration. Then you have to connect the dots between those things. And then you have, you create new forms of knowledge or meaning with those things. And so I very much like hold as a North Star um, that final piece. It's like, how do we actually help more people create? And not just like a tool where it's like, let me auto-generate a hundred tweets for you. No, like the goal is not like, you know, creating to like add more content to a bottomless pit. It's engaging more deeply with yourself and the world. Uh, and so a lot of how I think about the product is really informed by by that view, um, which is, I think, very different um, from, you know, the way, like, that Pinterest would think about it or, you know, presumably, like, Arena would think about it. So, yeah, I guess, like, I don't really think about other people. I, you know, I try really hard to think about, you know, uh, to have a beginner's mindset, to think, like, I want this for myself. What is it that I want? And kind of build in that way versus having kind of like a focus on what is everyone else doing? Um, because like, there's just like a, a deep need that I want to feel for, for myself here. And yeah. And I just like, don't find it very kind of constructive to, um, you know, I, I, I prefer to put like, you know, how they on horse races, they put like blinders on. So you're just like looking at yourself and I just want to operate in that way. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think I saw a tweet that you wrote about building a lovable product versus a vi viable product. Um, which, you know, is, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some things to unpack in terms of the, those decisions, right? In terms of viable, commercially viable, you know, scalable viable, yeah, and, and certainly maybe taking a few steps back to sort of your previous careers or, uh, or, or certainly experiences with adventure, within, you know, fi finance, within sort of growth in its capital G sort of growth state. Um, you know, versus something that obviously still needs to be viable. Well, I would love to hear your views and definitions of what you define as viable versus lovable um, in terms of what is success for you for, for, for Sublime. But certainly, and recently, last couple of years recently, uh, you know, uh, a romanticism and a nostalgia of sort of web one internet, a slower internet, a more, you know, and maybe it is because the world around us is so fucked up at the moment. <laughs> we, we want to go back to the 90s. Um, but no, we'd just love to sort of tap into that idea of of that pace, I think is really what I would love to, to hear your thoughts on and, and really how, how that is shaping and defining your view of building Sublime. Yeah, um, so many good questions in there. I, mean, I think like 
we talk we talk a lot about uh, like dreaming of a better internet, and I think at its core, we are living in a world where we are all so constantly distracted. Our attention is kind of being hijacked by you know the world's smartest minds are thinking about how to hijack our attention, and so in a world where that's true, building a minimum viable product, you're just not going to get attention with that because nobody wants viable. Um, so I guess like even commercially speaking, um, I think that, you know, the things that are able to kind of cut through the noise or the things that are like, you know, lovable is one way to describe them, but like weird, different, kind of easy, unique, like there's just gotta be something, but like viable, like, I just don't think that that'll, that's going to survive. Um, the kind of like attention environment we're, we're operating in. Um, you know, I think in terms of how I think about Sublime, I've done a lot of soul searching on this uh, in terms of what drives me. And I, I just want to like, I want to create an infinite game for myself here. I'm not trying to, you know, build a company and sell it in a couple of years. Like I, like Sublime is a sandbox where I get to do all sorts of interesting creative things. It's a tool that I want to exist in the world. And it's one that I want to exist 20, 40, 50, 100 years from now. So, um, you know, I just get a kick out of thinking about how do I like build this company for, for kind of longevity? Um, and so I guess the answer for me, in terms of like, which is very personal, like how do I want to build this thing is I just want to have like a small team of really kind of well, like aligned, talented people building a product that is very meaningful for the people it serves and operating sustainably. Like that is kind of the, the thing that I want. It's like, you know, I, I don't need to get like extremely wealthy off of this, but like we need to earn a good living. Um, we need to, you know, I want to make sure we have a talented team and I want to make sure it's meaningful for the people it serves. And so I think if that, if that is like my own personal goal and I kind of work backwards, then, you know, then I, like, it, the, the playbook around like get 1 million people using this and then figure out monetization, like that doesn't seem like the right playbook for us. Um, and the one that is kind of working is like, you know, hey, like we're, you know, be honest, like this is what we want to build. You know, we want to build it with you. You know, we're building it with sustainability at its core. Um, and so, yeah, I guess like I'm rambling, but I think one thing that I've kind of really come to believe is that we have agency. The world can kind of mold to what we want. And I want to build a sustainable company. I want it to be around in a long time. I want to make sure that I can always like retain my creativity and vitality. And so we're going to orient the business around being able to do those things. And that's how we're going to tell our story. That's how we're going to build the business model. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how, how I think about stuff. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, it definitely resonates with um, a series of reports that we've put out in the world called Dirty Words, which are words that are so overused, they've lost all meaning. And our two most recent were community and ownership. And I, I would love to get your snapshot response on your definitions of those <laughs> <laughs> those two words I mean they're loaded words so there's no wrong answers here sorry um but yeah just 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 to get your views on those two yeah yeah um yeah I mean I I, I like you're putting me on the spot in terms of like my definition of community I think that like you said like community means different things to different people 
you know, I think for me, it's as simple as like a group of people helping each other out in some, in some way. Um, I think that, um, yeah, an audience is not a community, you know, like when, you know, my Twitter audience doesn't feel like a, like a Twitter community. It's very much like top down. So yeah, I mean, we could get into the community stuff. I think the ownership stuff, as you know, uh, we've both been very into this stuff. I think that, um, you know, Sublime retains some of the ethos of the early kind of startupy days in that I think this kind of dream of a more artisanal human curated search engine is very alive, right? Like, if you know, we are building this tool, but like the kind of like byproduct of this tool is, you know, you've got this like human curated, like search engine for ideas and concepts. And so with startup the kind of early days, the, the initial kind of spark was like, all right, we, we, we want to do this, but like, how do we kind of incentivize people? And at the time I was like, maybe ownership, like, you know, it's like a, a human index and curated search engine owned by its contributors. And I went really, really deep down, down that rabbit hole. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a couple things that I, that I've learned. I think that there's the biggest one is that there's a big gap between theory and practice. Like we can critique the current systems um, and, and the critiques are very fair, right? Like the fact that Uber is not owned by its drivers uh, or the fact that like, you know, I can't take my data from one social network to another, uh, whether it's financial ownership, data ownership, whatever it is, like it's true that the current systems um, are not working very well. Uh, but I don't think the solution is like, you know, put a token on it, uh, which is, I think, uh, you know, for, for a while, I think in, in the Web3 world, uh, we thought that we could kind of defy the laws of physics. And and I think that for me, like what, I, what we learned is that having a token or a community ownership does not absolve you from the need to build a good product, to build a product people want. And in fact, like the moment that you put financial incentives into the mix, you're really muddying things. And so I think the classic kind of example that that a lot of us kind of cling to was like, oh, what if Wikipedia was owned by its contributors? I'm like, you know, it makes sense in theory that the people that are laboring away at this thing should partake in the upside. But also in practice, like humans are complicated and that leads to all sorts of like, you know, incentives that are going to kind of attract some kinds of people and like, you know, uh, detract others. And so, yeah, I guess like the world is just messy. Right. So um, I, I still um, have a lot of hope that uh, there's a lot of kind of design space to explore in building more democratized ownership. Uh, but I'm also, I think, kind of humbled uh, by how complex uh, some of those mechanics can be. Yeah. And again, deeply, deeply resonates with our experience within you know, Web3 and running our Discord and uh, running experiments. I mean, that's really what we were doing for two and a bit years um, in many different capacities or formats or um, configurations. And it was incredible. And like, there's no, um, uh, you know, th there's nothing bad to say about that whole experience. But equally, I I completely agree. It's, it's you know, humans are, we are difficult and weird and complicated and, the coordination piece is the fundamental, you know, challenge to get over, especially in a decentralized async <laughs> digital world. Um, 
but I I am equally hopeful that there is a way through and these new technologies or approaches or philosophy or whichever variation of that lens you you um you uh, you, you, you want to take uh, take a stance on can be put to good use and you know can be employed in in a way that I think we uh we both hope it's interesting because I think one of the one of the ideas that I haven't kind of fully articulated yet, um, but I also deeply believe is that we have a tendency, I think as people that that work in tech, to assume that like everything's a tech problem, right? And so, you know, in, in the case of ownership, it's like, you know, the world is like unfair and unequal. Like here's one technology that can kind of solve that. Um, and I just think that's like, I just think that's a flawed way to look at the world. Like most problems I think are more cultural than technological. Um, and like in a similar way, I think with the AI stuff, it's like it, in a world where everything, everyone is being too logical, then like, you know, it hates to be illogical because that's how humans are. That's how culture is. You know, the moment like that everything starts to sound like cheap and fast and efficient, like culture will evolve, you know? And so I just feel like culture is always one step ahead of, of technology. Uh, but I think people in technology, I think don't kind of see the world that way necessarily. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I guess, thinking a lot about um, that, that kind of contradiction uh, because I spent a lot of time kind of pitching you know, people and kind of boardrooms or whatever that like, oh, this one technology, but I don't know. I just think like culture is the bigger piece mm. these days. And being being more human as well, right? In terms of really recognizing our roles as individuals in a world that is reliant, maybe too reliant on some of these technologies and, you know, what is the role of it in, uh, you know, future generations. And, uh, you know, I have three young daughters and what, what's their future and how how will these technologies manifest um you know in their worlds that's certainly something i spend a lot of time thinking about and you know what is our responsibilities as i mean as parents um but equally as custodians of some of these ideas or these little corners of the internet that we're playing with um to sort of uh, to sort of recognize those contributions but yeah yeah and it's interesting i think because with it, like the kids stuff uh, there's a there's a, a Twitter account that um, I follow that I, I think is fascinating. I think it's called Optimist Pessimist Archive or something like that. But it basically looks at how we reacted to innovations of the past, right? And so, like when books were invented, you know, people were like, "Oh, we're not going to talk to each other because we're going to be reading books." And so I try to be conscious of the fact that you know it is like very natural to be very critical of things that like we later believe to be good. Uh, Yeah, I guess like, I don't think of technology as good or bad. I think that it just is like in the same way that screen time for my kids, I don't think it's good or bad. I think like, first of all, it depends on what's on the screen. And also it depends on, you know, are you just on your screen all day or doing like, you know, it's just complicated. Yeah. But um, how old are your, how old are your kids? I've got three boys and you've got three girls. So the the vibes the vibes in our respective homes must be very different. Um, um, I've got an eight year old, a six year old, and a two year old. Uh, okay, wow. Yeah, mine are ten, seven, and four. So a little a, a little bit ahead, but not far. 
but I'm I'm mean, curious, just staying on that thread as a as a mum of three, three boys. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a full time job in itself, right? <laughs> for, for any parent, and curious to hear sort of how that life balance, that um, you know, emotional balance, a mental balance, uh, you know, how how you approach that to ensure that you you know you're, you're staying on your right path. You know, it's very it's very hard. I think um, I think the thing that I have come to is that everything is hard in some way. Like being a woman and being very ambitious is hard, but so is like being a stay-at-home mom and not working. And so is putting your career ahead of everything and not having a family. Um, you know, so everything is hard in some way. You get to choose your hard. And the hard that I've chosen for my life is I want to be an incredible present mom for three children, but I also want to like manifest this vision that I have for this software product. And, you know, it just means that like, like day to day, it's not glamorous. Like I constantly feel like I'm not giving enough of myself to both. Um, but, but, but those are like the two things that I've kind of chosen in my life. And a lot of other things just fall, fall through the cracks. Um, yeah. I don't know that I have like a, a more illuminating <laughs> answer. I mean, there's no wrong answer by the way. Like <laughs> I think just in terms of just everybody working it out, certainly when the kids get involved, um, but it is hard, and you're exactly right to recognize those decisions that we all make in terms of which life we, we you know we want to live, um, and uh, you know what that means. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I fully respect it, and um, yeah, <laughs> I know how it feels for sure, for sure. Um, curious to keep it on the family family sort of thread in terms of. Um, I guess sort of influences uh, as a as a in your childhood and within your family. Um, was this sort of entrepreneurial, sort of driven, sort of strategic mind something that you've always had? Was this sort of from your parental, from your grand? I mean, I'm just curious to sort of yeah ma 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 <laughs> map that out a little bit. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, I I come from a very interesting, uh, very entrepreneurial family. Um, I was born and raised in Colombia, South America. My great-grandparents arrived to Colombia with absolutely nothing. Uh, my you know, grandfather was selling like t-shirts and, you know, my grandmother was selling eggs and it was like a classic kind of like, you know, do whatever it takes to kind of um, survive. Um, you know, uh, my father is um, is incredibly entrepreneurial. I would say also just a huge inspiration for me. Uh, although in some ways I grew up in a household where every night uh, at the dinner table, my dad would ask us, what are you doing today to make the world a better place? Uh, and so the wow. stakes were just like Wait. so high. From what age was he asking that question? I mean, I must've been like four or five years old. Um, it was just, <laughs> wow. it, I always say like, I always, I joke to him and, and my family that, I'm on this like lifelong journey to overcome the need to be exceptional because, <laughs> you know, there was this pressure that like I had to be exceptional to deserve a place in the world. Um, so not to turn this into a therapy session. Um, but, you know, but I think that, um, yeah, I think my, you know, my, my father is just one of those people that can, that is also just like a visionary and kind of like 
can evangelize and like rally the troops and kind of, you know, make something happen. He's also, it took him like working his butt off for 40 years before he saw any fruits of his labor. Uh, so I also got that kind of like long-term orientation. There are no shortcuts, right? Like I think that everyone wants to succeed and succeed fast. And I like, you know, I, we're laying bricks like hour by hour, but I don't expect a miracle. Um, and that's very much the perspective that I bring to, to Sublime. And yeah, I guess the other kind of important thing that was imparted um, from my family is like, and this comes from my father is like, the world is not black or white, it's shades of gray. And I, I very much like bring that spirit to Sublime in a kind of medium is the message sort of way where, you know, like if, if the medium is the message in like the Marshall McLuhan-esque way and Twitter is very much around, here's a hot take and here's what I believe. And it's not really about revising that view. Uh, and it just like leads to using the tool in a very specific way. I think Sublime is like, is the opposite. It's the world is shades of gray. I need to be kind of like making a mental map of a lot of these things. And, um, and you're not just categorizing things into, like you said earlier, a polarizing, I agree with this, I don't agree with this. It's more like, here's this idea space. And like, you know, at some point I'm going to synthesize all these things into a coherent view. But for now, it's like, it's a mess of ideas. Like there's like a, it's like a both are true moment where, you know, like this over here makes sense. This over here makes sense too. Oh, maybe they're contradictory. That's okay. It can kind of coexist. Um, and so, yeah, maybe that's some of the more kind of like philosophical stuff that I, that I think about and, and kind of weave um, or weaving into, into the software. Yeah. I love that. And <clears throat> do you feel, or maybe think that that's due to your upbringing or certainly, um, you know, uh, coming in from Colombia or certainly from your family's non-US, I guess, sort of roots, yeah, in terms of that cultural, uh, I guess, sort of viewpoints or, or, or differences in cultural viewpoints? It's interesting um, because I, I took a creative writing class in college and the essay that I wrote was about how, like, I felt so out of place my freshman year of college because my first language is Spanish. And I I knew how to speak English, but I didn't have like slang. You know, English was never like the language that I communicated with my friends with, or, you know, like just, it was very like professional kind of business, like schooling kind of language. Uh, and so I guess that essay very much explored how out of place I, I felt like not knowing how to translate this particular phrase in Spanish, uh, to English um, and things like that. And yeah, I guess like, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a while. Um, I've, you know, I very much kind of adapted, um, but yeah, I guess I, I feel very at home in the U S these days, but I also love that, especially now being in the kind of like that Silicon Valley kind of ideology where you're in this tech bubble in some way, I always remember my roots, you know, like, like, I, I just, I, Colombia is a country that has so much poverty, right? I, every day I'd go to school and like, just the, the things that you see, like, remind you, like, don't take yourself so seriously. You are just building software, you know? Um, there's just all, all of these things that I think, um, you know, I, I have because in some ways I, I benefited from not being raised in, in like this one bubble where had I just been, 
like born and raised in Palo Alto and not seen anything else, I think, yeah, I think my, my like vantage point would be so different. Yeah. And I'm sure from your father's viewpoint as well, coming in or maybe your grandfather from where he came from first in, you know, you are foreigners, right? You are, you are the externals coming into new worlds and new cultures and understanding how you fit in, you know, learn the slang, <laughs> um, you know, build, build those relationships. It's yeah, I, I can, I, yeah, I, I can, that resonates. I can, I can understand how that, um, yeah, that might feel. Um, curious just to see <coughs> maybe bringing it back into your, um, pre sublime days of startup. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing where and how that uh, manifested. Um, uh, and and again, sort of a, a step before the sublime as to what it is now uh, and, and your learnings, your experiences. And I know we touched on it briefly before, but would love just to revisit that a little bit uh, just in terms of, you know, what your key takeaways were from, from startup, startup-y. Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting because the the kind of like, thesis that I've been exploring for a while has always been the same, uh, which is, you know, there's people are laboring away in their personal knowledge management tools. And uh, those tools are just single player. And the most interesting things we do in life, in the world, we do with other people. And the, uh, like the spark when I kind of started, began the startup journey, it was very much like I'd been cultivating nurturing this repository of curated content and it was private it wasn't shared um i was alone with these ideas and you know the first spark was like why don't i just like invite other people kind of to to join me and like add more stuff to this library and like you know maybe we can kind of paywall it and then we all share in the proceeds and we collectively own it and uh yeah the the kind of like solution was very different from what sublime is today but the spark was the same and it continues to be the question that drives me which is you know like what what why are pkm which stands for personal knowledge management tools why are they single player and then of course like you get into like why does the vibe suck in all of these tools and like other stuff but but fundamentally like that multiplayer piece just felt really kind of important um and i think with startup be we so essentially for for people listening to this that that don't know essentially i took this database that i had been nurturing for years i put it on a website i called it startupy because so much of the content was related to startups although that's kind of since evolved um and then i invited people to kind of contribute to it uh and i think that we startupy definitely struck a chord we were able to build an incredible community of just amazing people that are drawn to curation, human curation, uh, because there is this like anti-algorithm, like what humans tell you is best is best. Like there's definitely like an ethos of that, that, uh, that, that like we kind of, you know, touched on, uh, with startup Uh, but as people were using it, I think that, you know, I guess the stuff, part of the stuff we learned is the moment you put like financial incentives in the mix, like weird stuff ha- starts to happen. Like the, the the types of people that are trying to use the the product and the ways that they use it, like it just the vibe started to feel kind of off there. 
uh, on the one hand. Uh, and then on the other hand, like people were like, oh, you know, I'm already using a tool for me. Like, can you make it easier to sync into startup because I want to share it with others? And it was kind of pulling us in the tool world, like build a browser extension for me and like make sure I can import my Kindle highlights and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know what? I've been advising and helping other people build stuff for years. Like, why, why can't I build this software product? Like, you know, I can like give myself license to kind of think bigger and build a tool. Um, and so I think that's, that's what I did. I think that, I think that I needed to go through these steps to kind of develop the, the confidence and the like just self-belief that, uh, that, that we can make it happen. Um, and so, yeah, it's been quite a journey. I think it's, it's been a consistent, um, it's been a consistent one. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, you know, whether like some people describe sublime as a second brain with a heart or, you know, Evernote, but with good taste and you're not alone or, you know, a dance party for my mind, but everyone's invited. Um, yeah, there's like different ways to kind of describe it. And I, you know, I, I think that the community will decide like what it is. Uh, but for me personally, I believe that ideas, attention and creativity are sacred and that, you know, like those are like things worth preserving and that there's very few places or there's, there's, there's very little of that left today because we're just so distracted. Uh, and so I just want to build a, a tool that allows me to kind of get into flow state, preserve my creativity, my attention, but not feel like I'm hibernating or having to kind of plug off, uh, plug away from society. And yeah, these are kind of the ideas that we're, we're noodling on. Um, it takes, honestly, like, Will, I think one of the, the, the things that is, has been interesting is it just takes a long time to kind of articulate something or sound like yourself. Like, you know, when you have a hunch of something and you keep kind of like excavating and you know that like one day you will find the perfect sentence. That day is not today. That doesn't mean that like you're not on the right track, but you know that like that one day you will find the perfect words. I mean, that resonates so deeply. I mean, I've been running protein 25 years, so it's it's it takes time and um yeah uh, resilience is a is a word i often visit or revisit um as just a reassurance that you know you're still you're still you're on the right track um and i mean on that just love to share if you're able to or, or, or you'd like to some of the uh, new things coming up with Sublime, maybe some of the new directions or some of the fun. I mean, if you've got some alpha, always up for some alpha. <laughs> but yeah, what's what, yeah, what, what's yeah. next in Sublime world? Yeah, yeah. So I so where Sublime is today? So we're in private beta. Uh, we took this kind of like um, you know different approach where we only let people into the private beta that paid for the product, even though the product wasn't ready. But it's it's an approach that has worked very well for us um, as we've kind of like tuned and tweaked the product. Um, we are launching a new landing page next week. So part of the kind of ongoing journey to better, you know, find the right words. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that's one, one piece of it. Um, we are, I'm very excited about the kind of business model and pricing approach that we've landed on. So I think um, just to kind of share a little bit more on that, if you think about the internet, 
there's kind of two predominant business models. It's either advertising, the product is free, but you are the product, or subscriptions. And I don't think that like one is better than the other. Like there are trade-offs. Like there, you know, I, of course, like we know what Facebook and Instagram, like there has, have been like problems with those tools. At, at the same time, like everyone can be on them. Um, and, you know, in some ways, like it, it has been a, a huge democratizing force. Uh, and so I'm not one of those people that is like advertising is the worst. It's just, that's like one, one way. Then you've got like Substack on the other hand, which amazing, like directly support artists and creators. Uh, and that's great. But like, you know, I'm sort of hitting a limit in terms of how many subscriptions I can have. Um, and so, and you know, and that does also just uh, limit um, how many people can access ideas. And so we definitely didn't want someone to be ad supported. We definitely wanted it to be member supported. Uh, and I guess like maybe like the, the third thing we've seen tried is like the more kind of donation approach, like the Wikipedia, when you, you know, sign in every, or, you know, visit the site every couple of months. And it's like, you know, we are desperate, please donate $1, $5. And like, you know, I, I don't want to like beg people for money. We're busting our like butts off working on this amazing tool that, you know, like that people that, that get value from should pay for. And so I guess like we're combining a lot of like what we believe about these different models into a kind of choose what you pay model. Um, and yeah, I just, I guess like I'm, I'm really proud of the execution of it. It'll be live pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that like any, like, like it's been seriously tried on the web before. And we've seen like in past experiments that, some people will pay us a thousand dollars. Some people will like send us a note and be like, I can't afford it, but I love it. Can I just pay less? And, and so I feel like we've found an elegant way to kind of, um, to kind of manifest that. So, so that's kind of coming on the business model side, mentioned the lending on the positioning side. Yeah. On the product side, I think we're, you know, we're kind of like as a team, the theme is like polish. So yeah, there's a lot of just like unsexy stuff, like every little corner of the product has a surprising amount of detail and we just want to finesse and tune all of that. Um, I think that there's, yeah, there's maybe one thing. Um, I mentioned that Sublime is both a private knowledge tool, but also a public kind of digital garden of sorts. And we've been very focused on the private knowledge stuff, make it very easy to capture stuff and organize stuff and kind of seamless and beautiful and simple and like all that stuff. But I think on the public kind of garden stuff um uh alex who who is on our team recently came up with the um the uh, term think in bio so we use like link in bio as a way to kind of describe like hey you know here's my link in bio but we really feel like there's just a lot of room to explore in terms of like making the public facing part of your sublime library a very kind of special place because if you think about linkedin as here's where I've worked and like Twitter, here's my hot takes and Instagram, like here's all the fancy vacations I take or, you know, whatever. Um, I just don't think that anyone's like carved out real estate for here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm like reading, consuming, li listening to, here's what's resonating. And so, yeah, I guess we're going to dive like deeper into making that beautiful, like aesthetically, but also just spend more time kind of nurturing the, the kind of thinking bio, um, potential for for sublime um love that yeah it's a lot of stuff but <clears throat> that's super exciting and um 
Yeah, I think there is definitely space for that. Um, I mean, that corner of the internet, right? That that little that little gap that we all have in our various. I mean, I'm I'm still using Apple Notes, so I need to I need to transfer it across to supply. I have an account. Sorry, thank you for that. I I need to, <laughs> I need to become a power user imminently um, because it is it's it's needed and um, it doesn't take long to sort of shift those behaviors. But it's very much sort of recognizing that first need, which I think you've uh, yeah really beautifully done. Um, really conscious of time. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just to sort of uh, to round things up. Um, uh, what's the best way of someone getting in touch with you if they've got a you know, follow up or uh, ask any other any more questions? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm very easy to reach. You can email me at sari at sublime.app, S-A-R-I at sublime.app. I also respond to DMs on Twitter. Um, any, you know, Instagram, we'll add DMs to Sublime pretty soon. Awesome, awesome. And final question, <clears throat> in your sort of collection of, in, in your behavior of collecting things, who would you, uh, who would you like to hear from on the show? Who's really sort of stood out in your recent um, harvesting of ideas in your thought garden? Ah, oh, I love this question. Um, yeah, I guess um, a couple people, uh, there's a newsletter that I love from um, this woman called Ava. It's called Book Bear Express. Uh, I just, I'm just very interested in non-fungible writers, like writers that are just are like very kind of like resistant to AI because they just sound like themselves. Um, and yeah, she's just an, an example um, of that. I also just to plug. Um, Alex Dobrenko, um, he's a comedian. He writes a Substack newsletter. He recently joined the Sublime team. He is just hilarious and amazing. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, his work, he's kind of like starting to blow up on, on Substack, but still underrated. And I think he's hes just, you know, wonderful in all, all of the right ways. Um, those would be my two. Love it. Sorry, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, wish you every success in the growth of Sublime. We'll certainly be following it closely. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Will. This has been great.